0: Ecclesiastes 11.8, people ought to enjoy every day of their lives, no matter how long they live. Do you believe that? We're to enjoy our life, no matter how long we live. A lot of times, that's not what happens in life. A lot of times, we find ourselves enduring life rather than enjoying life. But it's God's will, it's God's desire for you that you enjoy your whole life. I don't think that means that everything is always going good. Because you can learn to get good out of bad situations as well. But God's intent for your life is that your life is enjoyable. A lot of the reasons why our life isn't enjoyable is we don't have direction. So we waste our energy and time in the wrong activities that would not really bring us joy. Doing the things that would take away from you know, what would bring happiness in our life. God made you for a purpose. He made you for a reason. And part of that is to enjoy life. He wants you to enjoy life. Look at Colossians 1.16. Everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. If I'm going to enjoy life, I've got to find my purpose, but my purpose is found in Him. Why did he create me? Today's message is going to be a little bit of a review. It's something we've talked about before. Where we talk about there's five reasons that you're here. You have five purposes for existing. And if you do the five purposes that God's put you on earth to do, you can enjoy life. But if you get off that track, life might not be enjoyable. So though this is review It's one of the most important things to review because it's easy to forget in life. It's easy to focus on the wrong things. Being New Year's, we make New Year's resolutions. Maybe your New Year's resolution can be to focus on these five things, the reasons why God created you anyway. So in your notes, number one, one of the reasons why God put you on this planet is to enjoy a loving relationship with God. That's the first reason. You're here because God wants you to be in a relationship with him. If you miss that, you miss the reason for living. God created you to have an intimate relationship with God. He wants to be your friend. God's not up there ready to zap you. It's not like that. It's a loving relationship. In Isaiah 44, verse 2, it says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. Before you were born, he cared for you. He had a plan for your life even back then. You didn't get to choose when you were gonna get born, when you were gonna be born. You didn't get to choose to be born. Your parents ultimately didn't choose who you were gonna be. You know, they might have made a decision to have a child, but they can't choose what genetics, the DNA that you're gonna get. You know, that's why every child looks different. But God was behind this before you were even born. Your parents might say, <clears throat> We had you by accident, but I'm telling you, God did not have you by accident, okay? God had a purpose before you were born, had a plan for your life, a reason for you to be here, and you might say, my parents weren't good parents, but your parents had the exact DNA, DNA makeup and chromosome and genetic makeup for you to be you. God planned you for a purpose, for a reason, because He loves you. God has great joy in you. He cares about you. He chose you before you were born because he loves you. You're also here by God's grace. That relationship with God is by God's grace. For example, who would have the ability to find God on their own? You know what you would do on your own if you're trying to find God? You just make something up. Well, I think God is like this. Somebody else would say, well, I think God is like that. And what are you doing? You're just making it up. That's not finding God. That's just making up nonsense. You have 100 people, and they're going to have 100 different gods. The only way that you know God is he initiated it. He went after you. He loves you. He cares about you. He's going after you. That's God's grace. Ephesians 1.5 says, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family, By sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. He wants that relationship with you. So he says, okay, we all sin. So he comes to earth as a man, Jesus Christ. He dies on the cross, paying off the penalty of our sins. So we're forgiven and we can have a relationship with him. It's all initiated by him. There's nothing that you could do to figure out God. But God can reach you. No matter how hard you try, you can't reach God. But he can reach you. He initiates it because he loves you, because he cares, because he wants a relationship with you. And this relationship is meant to last for eternity. Look at Ephesians 1.10. This was his purpose, that when the time is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are to be with him in Christ for 40 years. No, that's not what it says. It says for forever. I'm glad it doesn't say until he gets tired of us. You know, you're going to spend time in heaven with me until I get sick of your presence, and then you're out. No, he doesn't say that. It's for eternity. So we're not talking about 80 years, 90 years. We're talking about millions, billions, and trillions of years for eternity. For the rest of eternity, God wants to be with you. How much love is that for him to want to be with you for the rest of eternity? There might be someone that says... I don't know if there is a God. I will tell you this. If there's not a God, your life doesn't matter. Because now you're just a freak of nature. It's just by random chance that you just happened to be here. There's no plan behind it. No meaning. No purpose. No significance. It just happened. There's no purpose behind it. But if there's a God, which there is, he made you for a reason. He made you for a purpose because he loves you. Ronald Reagan once said, I thought it was funny. He says, when I meet an atheist, I want to invite him over to my house for dinner and hire the best gourmet cook that I know and have him cook the meal. And then after the guy eats it, then ask him, do you believe in cooks? Or do you think this just happened randomly? You know, it took some intelligence behind it to make that food that good. It it just didn't poof and happen. You know, when you look at the world, it takes intelligence behind it to make it happen. It takes more faith not to believe than to believe. Because to not believe, you have to actually think that everything, by chance, a surge of energy hits carbon and protein, and by chance makes life. And by chance, that develops over time into some sort of fish. And by chance, it develops eyes. And by chance, at the same time, it has to go to, into two different sexes at the same time to keep, by chance. And by chance, it walks on Earth and becomes a reptile, and by chance it develops hearing, all that you know. And by, by chance, you know, when you think of all the things, it takes a lot of faith to believe that there's no God. But to believe that God's behind creation, you know, that's a lot easier. It's, people say talking about blind faith. It takes a lot of blind faith to believe that everything happened by chance without something intelligent behind it making it happen. So one purpose that you're here for is God loves you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. God wants a personal relationship with you. If you're developing a personal relationship with God, that's what's going to give you a real joy. But that's not the only reason he has you here. Number two, to experience an authentic relationship with others to experience authentic relationships with others. You weren't meant to go through life alone. You were made for relationships. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, God settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with others. First, God says, I'm going to make a relationship with you. And the idea is it changes your life so that you can make healthy relationships with others. Sometimes we take relationships for granted like we try to squeeze them into our schedule. But your relationships are the most important thing that you have in life. Life is not about what you acquire. You're going to lose that stuff anyway. It's not about achievements. It's really about relationships. That's a thing that's going to last. I've never met a man on his deathbed saying, if I just could have closed one more deal, I'd be happy. You know what, like, you know, if I just sold one more car, if it, whatever they do, you know what I mean, then I'd be happy. No, but you know what they say is they say, I want to see my son again. I want to see my daughter. Is there any way that you can contact my brother? Why? Because it's relationships. Sometimes you're so busy living life that you lose that and you start pursuing the wrong things and then you realize later that you neglected what's most important to you. In fact... Relationships are so important that when God made Adam, he put him in a perfect environment, paradise and earth. You know, uh, everything that he would ever want would be there. No problems, no pain, no pressure, no, no sorrow, no sickness. And then what does God say? It is not good for man to be alone. That means even in the perfect environment, you need other people in your life. You can live on a beautiful island, but if you're all by yourself, it's it's not going to be a very happy existence. You're not going to get very much joy there. We need other people in our life. Doesn't matter how great things are, it's not good enough without other people. Does this mean that everybody's supposed to get married? No, it doesn't mean that. But everybody needs authentic, supportive, meaningful relationships. We all need to feel love from other people and love from God. We need those two relationships. Fame isn't going to make you happy. Wealth isn't going to ha- make you happy. Success isn't going to make you happy. Those things will give you temporary happiness, prestige. But think about it. If you're the wealthiest person you have no friends, what kind of life is that? I was at this guy's house. It was at a wedding. And he had built this beautiful, amazing, amazing uh, mansion that they were holding the wedding in. And when I was uh, sitting with him and hanging out, talking to him. Uh, I said, this is beautiful. And I was talking about how great a job he did. He built it himself. And I was just talking about this. And he shared with me, you know, I have all this, but I'm still lonely. He was saying this didn't make him happy. He probably thought it would make him happy. But he was saying it didn't make him happy because he didn't have relationships. You need people in your life. You need those type of things. Because accusations, you know, achievements, they don't last. Your your press clippings, they're going to fade away. Your achievements will be forgotten. Trophies get thrown away. It's the relationships that you have. That's what's important. What good is it to be the wealthiest person and and have no friends? What good is it to be on the very top of your career, but everybody hates you? You're not going to be very happy. We know this when we hit the crises in life. Then all of a sudden we wake up. But for New Year's resolution, don't wait till you're in a crisis. Like right now you say, relationships are a priority. I've got two priorities. One is I'm going to build an intimate relationship with God. And number two is I'm going to build healthy relationships. That's how I have joy. That's how I really have happiness in life. Pursuing the other things aren't going to bring you that happiness. Those are the two most important things that you want to have in your life. You don't want to get at the end of your life and and feel like you were climbing the ladder of success just to find it's leaning on the wrong wall. What good is that? Galatians 5.14 says, God's whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love others as you love yourself. The Bible is full of loving God and loving other people. If you have those two things going in your life, that's what builds happiness. That's what builds joy. But that's not the only two reasons that God put you here. There's a third reason you're on Earth, and that's to develop the character of Christ. God wants you to develop your character, to grow as a person. God doesn't want a selfish person to continue to be selfish. He doesn't want an angry, bitter person to continue to be angry and bitter. Part of the reason why you exist is God wants to work on your character to make you a better person. So you love God, you get healthy relationships. And you work on your character. That's why you're here. Romans 8, 29 says, From the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should become like his son. God decided from the very beginning that he wants your character to be like Jesus's. Loving, forgiving, compassionate. If you say, well, I'm not that way. I don't have compassion. Well, that's a sign that God wants to work in your character. You exist to develop those things in your life. The second half of Romans, he decided from the onset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. It's in him that we see how our life is supposed to be shaped. So if I don't develop a relationship with Christ, how do I know how my life is supposed to be shaped? Because he's the standard that I'm pursuing. I want to be like him. God, when he made man, he said, let us make man in our image. So from the very beginning, he created you to be godly. He didn't create you to become a god. He created you to be godly. He made you in his image. What does that mean? God wants you to be loving and fair and truthful and kind and sensitive and just. And you exist on earth to develop those qualities in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You exist on earth to develop those things in your life. So that's one of the reasons why God created you is so that you can become more and more like Christ. Can you imagine if you responded to your problems in 2017? If you responded to your problems and your stress, the way that Jesus would handle it, how much happier your life would be? If you learn to talk the way that Jesus would want you to talk and think the way he'd want you to think, wouldn't you have less stress in your life? If you want a happy life, you want to develop the characteristics that God has into your own life. God wants you to be like Christ. He wants you to go into eternity more like Christ, where you're constantly developing. Why would he do that? Because it's like at the very beginning. God wants you to enjoy life on earth. That very first verse Ecclesiastes. God wants you to enjoy life on earth. It's impossible to enjoy life on earth without developing the characteristics of Christ in your life. If you don't learn to have peace in your life, you're not gonna have you're gonna be miserable. If you don't learn kindness, if you don't learn, you know, the basic spiritual gifts, you know, uh, spiritual fruit. If you don't have those things in your life, if you don't have spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness those type of things, you're going to have a miserable life. God's desire is for you to enjoy life. But it's got to be your desire to develop those things into your life that help you to enjoy life. God says, this is my dream. This is my hope. This is my will for your life. It doesn't mean that you're choosing to follow that will. I've got to take it on myself and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to develop those things in my life. How do you do that? Spend time with God. Read the Bible. Go into church. Make those things habits in your life so that you're growing and maturing and becoming more and more like Christ. And it changes the way that you look at the world, and you're happier. You're going to find for God to change your character, many times he's going to use problems and pain and difficult times to do it. Usually, our character doesn't get better in good times. It's in the bad times. In other words, it's when you're having problems in your marriage that you realize, maybe I need to change the way I'm treating my wife. It's in the problems that you recognize there's a, you know, you probably had to change that 10 years ago, but maybe you weren't married 10 years ago, so it didn't reveal how bad it really was. But now that someone's stuck with you 24-7, now it's an issue, right? So it's in the problems that you realize, wow, my character needs to change. You know, before I was married, I didn't realize I was short-tempered. But now that I'm with somebody all the time, it comes out. It's in the problems that you realize that you have to change. And God will allow you to go through some horrible problems sometimes if that's what it takes to change your character. You know why? Because God is way less concerned about your comfort than he is about your character, See, we want comfort, comfort, comfort. And God is saying, character, character, character. And sometimes we have to go, we have to be very uncomfortable before we change. Have you ever been in a situation where you got really uncomfortable and you decided, I better change? Maybe with school, I better start studying now. Maybe in a relationship. But it took the discomfort to finally make you change. I can remember as a kid, Throwing rocks at another kid. Okay? Yeah, throwing rocks at another kid. Boom. Yeah. And not knowing that my dad was watching. Okay. When I went home, he he called me in, and I thought, oh, no. Hopefully he didn't see anything. And he gave me a good hard swap. Pow, pow. Just on my behind. And you know what? It was the discomfort that changed my life. I never threw rocks at kids ever again. Because it wasn't comfortable for me. It was the discomfort that I felt on my rear end when he gave me some swats that made me think, I'm never going to do this again. But I promise you, if my dad didn't catch me, I would have thrown rocks at somebody else later on. I I guarantee it. Yeah, till now. (laughs) (laughs) So discomfort is sometimes what makes people change for the better. God will allow you to be uncomfortable if that's what it takes for your character to get in line. Number four, there's a fourth reason why God has you here on earth. is to express your God-given abilities. You know, a lot of people say, what am I supposed to do with my life? And they're usually thinking like job and gifts and talents. Well, I want you to know, before you even get to that, what you're supposed to do with your life is get a good relationship with God. That's number one. Get good relationships with other people and work on your character. If you don't get those three together, it doesn't even matter if you know what your gifts and talents are. Have you met someone with great gifts and talents, but they're a rotten person and you don't want anything to do with them? What good is it for you to discover your gifts and talents if you're a rotten person that nobody wants to be with? So don't get it out of order. Get your relationship right with God. Get your relationship right with others. Grow in character. Now your gifts and talents matter. But it is a reason why God has you here. The fourth reason why you exist on earth is God has given you abilities that he wants you to use for the good. God wired you like no one else. Everybody here has a different personality, a different background, different habits, different weaknesses, different strengths, different talents, gifts, abilities. God molded you with these things to make you exactly who he wanted you to be. And everybody's different. And God likes you the way you are. He loves the gifts and talents he gave you. And I'm never going to be successful in life trying to be like somebody else. But if I look at my gifts and talents and my heart's passion and my abilities and my personality type and my past experiences that have shaped me, if I look at those things and say, How, what am I good at, and I pursue that, I can have success. And it honors God because God's the one that created those things in my life. God has made each of us different for a reason. And he loves exactly the way he wired you. But we've got to know those things and we've got to choose to be who we were meant to be. The one I always talk about is American Idol. At the beginning, they always show some singers getting up there and singing at the beginning, but they're not good singers. But in their minds, they think they are and they're horrible. Okay, because what they're doing is they're trying to be like somebody else. Like, oh, I've always wanted to be like this. When I was a kid... I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I just had one problem. I wasn't a very good baseball player. (laughs) Right? So it doesn't matter what I wanted to be. That was a dream. But it wasn't my gifts. It wasn't my talents. Okay? So God says, why are you trying to be something you're not? I'm the one that gave you gifts. I'm the one that gave you talents. I'm the one that gave you a personality. Be the best Jimmy that you can be. Don't try to be Hank Aaron. It's never going to happen. There's only one Hank Aaron. you be the best Jimmy that you're going to be. And when I try to be what God created me to be, I have success. If I try to be what I'm not, I'm going to have failure because I'm not wired that way. Do you know that people have, on average, 700 identifiable skills? But most of them we don't know because they come natural to us. Other people say, he does that so well. He just naturally does that so well, whatever it is. But because you do it naturally that you don't think about it. You know, some people are just naturally good at math. They don't think about it. And other people are, are saying, how do they do that? Some people are just naturally good with language. And it just comes natural to them. And other people are saying, how do they do that? There's so many things, artistic ability, music ability. There are so many abilities that you have that sometimes you don't even recognize what God has given you. You take it for granted. Instead of thinking, wait a minute. If I'm good at this, maybe I should develop this. If I develop this, maybe I'm going to be very successful in life. Look at what God's given you and use it for the good. How do you use it for the good? Use it to help other people. It's it's not just padding your retirement account. It's you use your gifts and talents, your artistic ability, music ability, speaking ability, thinking ability, planning ability, physical abilities, You use them ultimately to make the world a better place. Do you use them for income? Of course you do. But you use them ultimately to make the world a better place. Can you have a lot of gifts and talents and use them in a way that the world is worse off because of what you did? Yeah, of course. There's some generals that have done evil things, but they're very gifted at leading. They've just done evil things with it. There's other generals that have probably done really, really good things. They're both gifted, but it's not your giftedness, it's what you do with it. You have gifted you have gifts and talents. Use them to make the world a better place. Look at Romans 12 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well, each of us. So everybody here is included. You might be thinking, Well, I don't know what I'm will, do, what I'm good at doing. Look at your heart's desires, look at your abilities, look at your gifts, look at your personality. Ephesians 2.10 says, God made us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to, to live our lives doing. So at the very beginning, God has certain gifts and talents in your life. They gave you because he wants you to do great things in your life to help other people. But because he gave it to you doesn't mean that you're doing it. Just to recognize God has blessed me with this gift. That's nothing if you don't use the gift to make the world a better place. But you have gifts, you have talents. It's what you do with it that counts. Am I making things better? Do you know that God calls everybody a minister? Everybody in a church is called a minister, which means what does a minister do? We do ministry, which means you use your gifts and talents to help other people, to make things better. Everybody has gifts and talents. Now, he calls you a minister. It doesn't mean that you're really being a minister, it's not saying everybody's a pastor like a profession, a job profession, but minister. I'm here to meet the needs of other people. You're here to meet the needs of other people. We're all called to do that. So God calls you a minister. It doesn't mean that you're being a minister. He's just telling you what his design was. He's saying, I'm calling you a minister because I created you to help other people. Do you know that God gave you not only your strengths, but he gave you your weaknesses, think, well, why would God give me weaknesses? Like, thanks, God. Thanks for that one. Well, why would God give you weaknesses? Because he purposely created you so that you need other people. And with weaknesses, now you have to rely on others. And he purposely created you so that other people need you. So you have your strengths there. Because he wanted that type of relationship with people. Let's say that I had all the strengths in the world. So I get injured, so I just sold myself up. You know, (laughs) no I'm not good at medical stuff. I need a doctor. I need somebody that's good at that because I'm not. You know, if you're good at everything, you won't need anybody. That is not God's will for your life. So he gives you strengths, and with every set of strengths comes a set of weaknesses. And that's on purpose. So I learn, I need you. You need me. And that's what builds love. That's what builds compassion. That's what builds caring. It also tells you this, everybody's needed. So if you're not using your gifts and talents to help somebody else's life get better, you're wasting them. You're wasting them. God gave them not just for your good, but to help other people, to be a minister to others. One day you're going to stand before God. And he's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? And you want to be able to say, you know, I, I recognize my gifts and talents and I use them in this way. I feel like my life purpose is to equip and encourage people to develop an intimate relationship with God and to spread the love of God to the world. So what do I try to spend my time doing? Equipping and encouraging people to have intimacy with God and to make a difference in the world around them. That's what I spend my life doing. But I first had to look at my gifts and talents and discover what I'm good at and say, that's what I'm wired to do. I like to equip people. I like to encourage them for those two things to have intimacy with God, and to become God's love to the world. When you discover what it is, it lets you know what you should be doing with your time. It's also easier to say no. I say no to a lot of good things. A lot of good things people ask me to do. Hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? I say no a whole lot. It's not because I don't believe in those things being good. I just know my limitations. If I'm going to do the equipping and encouraging that I need to do, to develop, so that people can develop intimacy with God and become God's love to the world. I'm not willing to sacrifice that time to go do something else, okay? Because I know my purpose. That's why I exist. That's one of the reasons I'm breathing today. So you want to know that. You want to know, how has God wired me? Put into words that you can remember and ask yourself, am I doing this? You know, and when I know that, and I know my family time and other things that are priorities, then if I don't have time for those extra things that are good, I say no. And it's not because they're bad things. They're good things. But good is the enemy of best. If Satan can get you so distracted doing good things that you never do the best thing, your life will count for nothing. Do you agree? Can you imagine you get so busy doing this good thing, this good thing, but the best thing that you're supposed to do, you never get around to it. I just don't want that to happen in my life. When you clearly know what your gifts and talents are, it's easier to know what you should say yes to and what you should say no to. It gives you a better life. What does that first verse say? God wants you to enjoy life. Don't you enjoy life more when you're doing what you're wired to do? God wants you to enjoy life. I enjoy life when I'm doing what I'm wired to do. Number five, he has a fifth purpose. It's to fulfill a personal life mission. God Chose where you were going to be born. He chose when you were going to be born. He chose who your parents would be. He chose how you would be born. None of these things, you didn't have control over any of this. He had a plan. He already determined ahead of time these things because he wanted you for a certain reason. If God wanted you to have a different life mission or a different life purpose, he would have given you different parents in a different time, in a different year. You know what I mean? But he has everything set perfectly for what he wants for your life. Look at John 17, 18. Jesus said, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Jesus gives us a mission. He wants your life to be significant. He wants your life to have meaning. Where do you get that meaning? By making a contribution. You weren't meant to be a consumer you were meant to give a contribution. You, you were meant to participate, not just to be a spectator. God has a purpose for your life. When you don't know your life mission, it causes all kinds of problems. I think some of the biggest problems we have in life is we simply don't know what our purpose is. We don't know our life mission. So we spend our time doing things that end up being aimless and unsuccessful for us. You want to clearly discover how God has wired you and pursue that life mission When you don't know your life mission, you're going to be bored. You're more apt to take jobs that aren't right for you and maybe more apt to lose jobs. Also, when you're not discovering your life mission and how you're wired to have joy in life and what your gifts and talents are, you're more apt to always trying to escape. Because if you're not happy with life, you look for thrills and pills to make you happy. You know what I mean? You're going to look for something else to make you happy. But if you're living the life that you were meant to live, you're happy. You're happy with that. doesn't mean that everything in life goes great. But you're, you have a joy about what's happening in your life. Any time you find somebody living for thrills and pills, it's clear that they don't know their life purpose. They're kind of lost. So they're looking for something to make them happy, and they haven't discovered it yet. You want to know why you're on earth. Otherwise, you'll be discouraged. You'll be depressed. You'll be feeling like, why even get up in the morning? So think about, what's my life purpose? Why am I here? Write it out. In Acts 20, 24, it says, life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. In other words, what's the use of living day after day after day after day if I don't even know why I'm alive? I don't know why I'm alive. It's not as difficult as what you might think. Write down those words shape. You know, S stands for spiritual gifts. H stands for heart's passion. So it's spiritual gifts, heart's passion. A is abilities. P is personality type. E is experiences. And start looking at that. Like, what are my spiritual gifts? What gifts do I have? Gifts, Natural gifts and talents that God gave you. What's your heart's passion? Like if my gifts and talents are teaching, but my heart's passion is third graders, then I probably shouldn't be a college teacher, right? It's not just I'm a teacher, that's your abilities, but where's your heart's passion? Where's your gifts and talents? Where's your heart's passions? What's your abilities? What's your personality type? What experiences have you had that's really shaped you? And you look at those things, and you'll start seeing patterns. It's sort of like seek and you shall find. If you really look at those things, You start seeing patterns, and you start understanding, you know, I really love music. Everything in my life is about music. Or I really love teaching, or I really love acts of mercy, like helping the homeless or whatever. But you start seeing, I love serving others, hospitality, whatever it is. But you start seeing it. I really love encouraging people. When people have problems, they come to me, and I talk to them. But you start seeing the patterns, and then you can start saying, this is where I'm going to focus my attention I now know how I'm shaped. And you're going to have joy. You're going to have joy when you're doing the things that God created you to do. So as you're looking for a New Year's resolution, look at these five things. A relationship with God. Start there. A good relationship with others. Growing in character. Knowing your gifts and talents. And from there, discovering your life purpose. As you're doing those, you should have a pretty good life. You should have a really good 2017. Ecclesiastes 11:8 8 again, the very first verse. People ought to enjoy every day of their lives, no matter how long they live. I like that. People ought to enjoy every day of their lives, no matter how long they live. And you can do that because if you're right with God, if you're in good relationships with others, you're growing in your character, you understand your gifts and talents, and then you're using them to make a difference in the world, Wow, you can enjoy life. Not everything in life is going to be enjoyable, but you will enjoy life. Not every circumstance is going to be fun, but you will enjoy life. And that's really, I believe, God's will for you, not just for 2017, but thereafter as well. So, with that, let's pray as we're kind of praying in uh, this new year. Father, you haven't left us here to live in the dark. Thank you. That you have given us your word, which tells us what we were meant to do with our lives. Forgive us for thinking that other things and priorities will bring fulfillment. Lord, as we start this new year, we recommit and rededicate our lives to you. Lord, we want to do your purpose. Lord, we're making the commitment to build our relationship with you as solid as we know how. To be in healthy relationships with other people as best as we can to grow in character and to be the type of people that honor you with their life, to look at our gifts and talents and discover what they are, Lord, and for us to use them to make this world better. Lord, we commit these five things to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.